Well, as we've already said here in Fitzroy since September, we've been working our way through the the gospel according to John. We've seen way back at the start um, how Jesus was this light of the world and still is the light of the world. We saw Jesus at the launch of his ministry at the wedding in Cana turning the water into wine. We have journeyed with him as he traveled from town to village meeting people, healing people, speaking to people and preaching the good news. Then we have seen, as we have journeyed into these final chapters of the gospel, how Jesus is departing his most important knowledge, his instructions for living and loving to the beloved community before he departs. And then this morning, as we did last week, we come to this chapter where we discover that the light of the world has been put out, but only put out temporarily because we will see in the incoming weeks the hope of resurrection, the ascension, and then the challenge to us as believers to be the community of God in the world around us. So this morning, as we journey through this chapter, what I want us to do is to use our imagination, to suspend all the preconceptions that we have about this passage, all the times that we have heard it read before, maybe at Easter or the run-up to Passover and the Easter Holy Week services that we so often engage with. I want us to set that aside and enter this passage with a fresh set of eyes, longing for a new vision, asking ourselves three questions. What would it be like if the crucifixion of Jesus took place in this very city on this very day? Asking ourselves, what must it have been like for one of the characters to be there, Joseph of Arimathea? And then to ask ourselves the question, what about doing this makes us want to live our lives differently in the world in which we live? About suffering, they were never wrong, the old masters. How well they understood its human position. How it takes place while someone is eating or opening a window or just walking dully along. How, when the aged are reverently, passionately waiting for the miraculous birth, there must always be children who do not especially want it to happen, skating on the edge of a pond at the end of a, edge of a wood. They never forget that even the dreadful martyrdom must run its course. Anyhow, in a corner, Some untidy spot where the dogs go about their doggy life and the torturer's horse scratches its innocent behind on a tree. The words of W.H. Auden in his poem, Musée des Beaux-Arts, a poem that was written by Auden, one of our most celebrated poets, after seeing a painting by Peter Bruegel the Elder. In 1654, Bruegel painted this painting detailing Jesus' slow and painful walk to Calvary. 
And if we were to see it, as I had the privilege of doing earlier this year in Amsterdam, we would see that it is a vibrant portrait of 16th century Flemish city life. Because as we encounter the picture, what we see are people who are quarreling. What we see are people who are going about their everyday business. We see people who are not wearing biblical costume, but rather are dressed in contemporary dress of the day. We see, we see a man who sits on a white horse. We see a woman who is angry because she has knocked over her water jar. And we see a young boy running with a sack over his shoulder. Maybe an urgent errand or maybe carrying off a stolen loaf of bread. But in the midst of all this, in the midst of the painting, it is just possible to make out the figure of Jesus. The figure of Jesus in a grey robe stumbling under the weight of the cross. And what we find in this painting is that Bruegel is asking a really radical question. Bruegel is asking a question that we this morning could perhaps ask ourselves. What would it really be like if this crucifixion story that we are so familiar with were to take place today? Not only to just take place today, but to take place just outside the walls of the city in which we live. What would we see? How would we respond? How would we react? Would we stop to watch? Would we follow? Or would we scurry off into the darkness? Because he carries his cross and a man stops and looks at his watch. And a woman smiles at a familiar face. And three children play in a puddle, yet he still carries his cross. And a man ducks out of view to avoid the person to whom he owes some money. And a mother stops in her tracks because she realizes that she can no longer see her child. And an old man looks up and traces the first beams of spring sun on his face. And a shopkeeper counts his till. And a homeless man counts his takings and stops to stare. And someone heals a taxi, knowing that they are already too late. And a man is beaten for a crime that he did not commit. And another child dies from a preventable disease. And a farmer looks upon a crop that has failed. And someone sits at a hospital bedside and wonders how to say goodbye. Because this morning, from the cathedral quarter to Syria, from Helmand province to Guantanamo Bay, in the refugee camp and in the hospital waiting room, in the queue at the unemployment center and the methadone clinic, Among the jubilant and among those who pay no attention, he still carries his cross. Put yourselves into that scene. Imagine yourself there, as if it were happening this very moment. Who would you identify with? What 
would you see? Who would you be running from? Who would you be running towards? Where would you find yourself in the story? How would you find yourself in the story? And how would the story impact you and how you would live your life from that day on? Because that was what it was like for those who originally saw this happening. Because this was on their streets. This was in their city. This was taking place on a day when they had just woken up like any other. And here is this Jesus of Nazareth. The one people have been talking about. The one who has been talking to people. And today, he's carrying his cross. Maybe you were one of his disciples. Maybe you had gone with him from time to time. Maybe you had heard all that he had said and maybe you struggled to take it all in. But today, in a moment, somehow it all makes sense. Maybe you're standing on a street corner, not quite sure what is going on. Knowing that crucifixion is a typical form of death for someone who has done something seriously wrong. Not really the death for a Messiah, is it? How would you find yourself in the story this morning? So just as we have tried to place ourselves in it this morning as if it were happening on our city streets, in our day, in our time, I also want us to place ourselves into the imagination of someone who was actually there. I want you and I to enter into the story as we find it towards the end of the chapter where we are given very little detail, but some detail nonetheless about this Joseph of Arimathea. We read in verse 38, later Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate for the body of Jesus. Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus but secretly, because he feared the Jewish leaders. With Pilate's permission, he came and took away the body. So let's enter in to the character of this Joseph of Arimathea. Maybe if it's easier for you to do that, to imagine, feel free to close your eyes. See what images this story conjures up for you and try to walk in his shoes as he follows Jesus as he walks to the cross. When Jesus of Nazareth died, it was like a light went out in the sky. As if the light going out on his eyes was enough to make all the lights all over the world go out. I was there. I was there, standing on the hill until my old legs grew weary. Most, most of his disciples had fled, but I had no reason to fear because I had only known him in secret, so I was safe. I stood there. I stood there for the length of time that it took for a Roman cross to extinguish the spark of that brilliant life. 
I stood there. I stood there with those who mocked, with those who wept, and with those who simply watched as if unable to believe that something so terrible should actually be allowed to happen. I, I never owned him in life. So I reckon the only thing I could do was to see it through to the end. His eyes, his eyes are what I remember from the first time I met him. It was in the temple. There he was, standing on the fringes of all the men discussing the important issues and questions of the day. Suddenly, he was there. Suddenly, he was there in our midst. This bright-eyed, precocious boy, the same age as my own son. But my son... He would rather play games with his friends on the street than be found in serious conversation and discussion with men as old as us. But it struck me. It struck me just how he listened to the argument, how it ebbed and flowed. But what shocked me even more was when he entered into the debate, talking about things that I, at my age, barely even understood. He was with us. He was with us for three days. And we didn't know the whole time that he was with us that his parents were frantically searching the city for him. But when they arrived, the carpenter and his wife, with panic and relief writ large on their face, they dragged him back off to to Nazareth. And I wondered, I wondered in that moment what would become of that young boy. Would the drudgery of the carpenter's shop pound that spark out of him? I thought about him over the years. I'll admit, as my own son grew up and had children of his own, God was good to us, merciful to us, putting food on our table, granting us crops, and bringing us grandchildren. But meanwhile, in the temple... In the temple, old age had taken all those whom I was familiar with from childhood. And now I was seated among the wise with a gray beard of my own, wondering if these older men then feel just as I do now, totally out of my depth. But one day, one day in the temple, talk turned to this Jesus of Nazareth. And I find myself setting straight up with a spark in my mind that I hadn't experienced for years. Could this man, could this man who was doing such a good job at infuriating the religious leaders actually be the young boy that I had met all those years ago? Well, my chance was to come because I learned that Jesus was to be a guest in Simon's house. Simon was a Pharisee and loved to entertain radical discussion and debate. He wanted the hottest debates in the city to be taking place in his living room. And his latest exhibit was Jesus of Nazareth. But Simon had a way of letting people know just what he really thought of them. He was always smiling, 
always open-handed, but he neglected just enough of the usual customs to let the people in the room know that he thought that Jesus and his followers were uncouth. But I met with him. I wanted to learn more. Yes, I'll admit, it had to be in secret. Because a man of my standing couldn't be seen mixing with this young radical. Of course, it was one thing to sit at Simon's table with him, but a completely other to seek him out of my own accord. But we talked. We chatted. He asked questions that searched my very soul. But when the end came, I was surprised. I knew the Sanhedrin were riled, but I knew they couldn't arrest him in broad daylight. The city full to buzzing, almost fizzing over like a powder keg. It happened almost before I knew it. The arrest at the dead of night. The circus of a trial. The mob baying for blood and Pilate washing his hands. And there was nothing that I could do. There was nothing that anyone could do. So up the steep road to Calvary, I went. Following some of his followers. Journeying with some of those who were just there for the entertainment. And Nicodemus and I stood there in silence. Watching. His followers had scattered. There was no one to bury him. So Nicodemus and I decided that maybe there was something that we could still do for this Jesus, for this man who had touched our lives. So I asked Pilate for the body, something he was only too glad to get rid of. But of course, he did promise a guard for the tomb. Nicodemus went to buy spices, And I bought white linen to wrap the body in. And alone we two men washed his beautiful, broken body. We who had never had the courage to own him in life, washed his wounds with our tears and poured perfume on them. And somehow, somehow every touch that should have made us feel unclean actually cleansed us transformed us. And I realized that day how little all the things that have been holding me back mattered. The things I was afraid of losing. The people I was worried about. Because today, in that moment, I discovered that there was something that mattered more. Mattered more. And from that day on, I would honor it. This morning, as we come to this story, as we find it in Scripture, what questions is it raising for us as individuals? What do we hear God saying to us as we journey through this familiar story and put it into contemporary sights and signs and feelings? Who do we identify with? What would our role have been? What are we holding back? Are we like Joseph, someone who was so worried about what people around us might think if we decided to follow him that we actually just wanted to do it in secret? Would we be like the disciples who had lingered on his every word yet in the heat of the moment, scatter? 
We would be like Pilate, the man who knows that there is something going on here, yet he still washes his hands often. Would we be willing, like Joseph, to give up our tomb so that this man could have a decent burial? Time and time again we come to this story and we are so familiar with it because it is the essence of our faith that Jesus and God love us so much that God sent Jesus to die for us. But so often we forget to remember about those, the cast of characters around the cross and ask us how it felt for them, how it would feel for us today, and how we should live our lives in response to it. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come to your word, and we are reminded once again of all that you have done for us, of how you love us, unconditionally love us, how you embrace us, how you surround us, how you encourage us, and how you lead us on. This morning, may we encounter that love once more. May we, in imagining this story today, what it must have been like, as the day goes on, may we find ourselves in the story. May we see what it would have been like as we walk our city streets. May we encounter you afresh. And may we ask of ourselves, who would we have been? What do we need to do? How should we respond in our lives? And how should we serve you? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.